when we think of ourselves like this is who I am, I have all these things, this is my status, then people are looking at us like, oh, yeah, she has all these things gravitate towards her. Oh, she has that status gravitate towards her. But I think that the first thing is that awareness of wait, what am I like after all these things are gone? It's like, wait, what is left? Welcome to the Rona Mindset. Today, we are going to be talking to Sarah Vatbai. Did I pronounce that right? Yeah, well, that's actually one reason why my last name dropped short, because people see all those syllables in my last name, and they're like, well, how do you even pronounce this? So we just dropped it short and said Vafa, so we get rid of the vafa e at the end. Yeah, Vafa's easy for us white boys. That's what we can we can wrap our our head around that one. <laughs> so, anyway, thank you so much for being on. I know it's it's early. We're like, what is it? Six a.m. There? Yeah, six oh five. Pretty good. Sweet. Yeah, because you're in Cabo, right? Yes, in Los Cabos. Uh, thankfully, the sunrise is about this time, so it's been light out for about forty minutes or so. But in los cabos we we are on the side that we get to see the sunrise so it's really pretty on the side oh okay so you're on the inside of the sea of baja exactly yeah there's like the peninsula and we're on the inside of the peninsula okay very cool very cool i get to i don't have an ocean where i'm i'm in, I'm in chiang mai i'm in northern thailand right oh, now like okay. in the mountains yeah it's it's really kind of a neat city uh i really enjoy it i'm gonna be here a couple more weeks and then i'm heading south to the beach that's awesome no it's a different kind of connection with the nature being up north it's going to be a completely different connection there i know i was jo just making a joke the other day i was like where do people that live like not close to the ocean what do they look at like at the trees, at the mountains. <laughs> like I was like, I have always like gravitated towards the ocean. So I don't know what people look at or gravitate towards if there is no ocean where they are. I love the ocean, you know. <laughs> it's it's a I love it. But you know what? I gotta say this has this has a uh this has an energy up here and a very it's um it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's it's mountainous. Um and uh, Chiang Mai is an old city. It, it was founded in like 1200. Lots of ancient history, lots of culture. Huge, huge. Like I didn't even really know, but it was the the capital of the Lana Empire before that became like all part of Thailand and stuff like that. So the temples around here are incredible and the culture and the history are just amazing. I can it's imagine amazing. only what the energies that I like at some of the temples because I was watching some documentaries about some of the, especially in Thailand, there's some like hidden pyramids and temples in Thailand that hold like it's it's just fascinating to hear like how they have like flowing water close by the way they planned this and the way that it's like yeah those, well that's a whole different conversation <laughs> that's a whole conversation yeah well that I'm, I'm gonna finish off with this but yeah this whole area is really neat and then I plan on, I don't know when, sometime in the next couple of months, I'm gonna go spend some time in Cambodia because they have Angkor Wat there, you know, that, that mm. it's the biggest ruins ever found. It's like the largest ruined city and it was undiscovered until not too awfully long ago. And they seen it in the jungle when they're doing aerial Passovers. So wow. I'm gonna go check that out. That's supposed to be absolutely amazing. And there's a, the place is a whole, country is filled with like temples and history like ancient ancient it's history. amazing like there's even one there's a place called Chol cholula I, I hopefully i'm saying that right cholula is right outside of mexico city and there is the biggest pyramid in the world actually 
is there but because it like grew green over it and uh, when the spaniards came they were like that's a great place to put a church let's put a catholic church there and they put a catholic church on top and so when you look at it now you're like wow there's that green mountain with the church on top but under that green mountain is the pyramid and there's so many tunnels oh, inside wow. like 15 kilometers or something ridiculous of tunnels inside and there's still places that the public don't, doesn't know about. So like chambers that they found in there. So it's, it's fascinating right. to think how many like sacred, holy places are in the world that they've been trying to like tap off and like <laughs> forget about this mm-hmm. place. Keep them down. Exactly. Keep them down. Keep them down. So let's, uh, I could talk about that stuff all day, <laughs> but let's talk about you um you've had an interesting journey through life not one what like what people would consider typical so yeah kind of kind of bring us up start with because you you immigrated from iran right yes i was born in tehran which is the capital city of iran and it is the busiest place it's like like mexico city it's super busy super congested huge population chaos Chaos. Uh, but we we grew up there and like we used to go to the north of Iran all the time we were so lucky that my dad and my mom thought about investing in a little property like a beach property because in Iran I was gonna say is there a beach in Tehran not really like that's it's funny that you say that because now I'm like what do people look at if it's not the ocean but um yeah we grew up there and but we kept going north to the caspian sea it's the caspian sea up north we used to drive up there and we had a little villa that we used to go to um and we we loved the ocean but we were there i was there till about like 10 years old and then we moved from iran to canada to have everybody always says to have better opportunities (laughs) my dad wanted to move there to have better opportunities so we went there and I lived there for about 20 years before coming here. And in Vancouver specifically, yes, right? Yes, Vancouver on the West Coast where it rains and it's beautiful at the same time and it's expensive and it's it's got its own vibe. <laughs> yeah, it, it really, I've only been there in the summer. So I have like, I absolutely love Vancouver because the only times I've been there, it's been sunny and amazing. <laughs> so it's like, wow, this is clean and it, yeah, it's just, it's a good, good energy. But of course, I haven't been there when it's just yeah, gray. It's and... like two weeks in July. That's really nice. And the rest of the year is just gray and rainy. I've lucked out every single time. So. That's awesome. Good. I'm glad you had a good chance to enjoy Vancouver. Yeah, it was it was amazing. Um, so you grew up in Vancouver from about 10 years old. 10 years old till I was 28 to be specific. I lived there. And uh, well, that's when things start like kind of like twisting upside down. First, we moved like from one side of the country, from one side of the world to the other side of the world. I hadn't, I didn't speak any English at that point. So threw me into ESL to learn English and we went through, but then like my mom and my dad split up and my dad ended up going back to Iran and my mom didn't want to go. And that was the time that it's like, well, Sarah, do you want to go back to Iran with your dad or do you want to stay here? And I was like, not going back to Iran. Um, and I stayed and I start working because my mom was a single mom at the time. And I start working at Future Shop, which is like owned by Best Buy now. But I start working as a cashier and 15 year old um, start working as a cashier just to get something and be able to help my mom. So like right off the bat, when I start working, I start working like in the tech industry, being in the 
tech industry. So working there at uh, Best Buy for about like eight, nine years and then working for a cell phone company and um, all this like tech industry and customer service in my resume landed me a job with Apple. And I worked at Apple from... Were you a genius? I, I did pass that genius phase. I was a salesperson, then I became a genius, and then I was too much of a genius. <laughs> then I, <laughs> You're like, uh, it's below me. <laughs> it was too much. Um, then I was in charge of all the inventory in the store. So if something was stolen, I had to report it. If we needed more iPads in, I had to make sure that we had the replenishment coming in. So anything that went in and out of the store was within my hands. But that's when I like realized, I was like, hold on, I have such a sweet job and I work so much, but I have no freedom. <laughs> so that's when it, it gets a little hard. And that's when I was looking at my life in Canada, like looking around, like, wait, hold on, what am I doing? That word comes up, I think every, just about every single guest I've had on the podcast so far, that's been a kind of a central theme to what made them take whatever path that they took. Because I've been so lucky to talk to just some amazing people and get their story. And the, the common theme is nobody wanted to do it the way that was kind of cookie cutter and laid out for them. The expectation that's placed on you, if you're, no matter what position you're in, if you're a doctor, they, there's like expectations that come with that title that are it's like placed on you. Just like if you're a daughter or a son, there's expectations that are put on you too. And for my mom, like she was telling me after I finished high school, she's like, you need to do something. You need to study something. What are you gonna do? Like in this world, you can't be somebody if you don't study anything. Who's going to take you seriously or who's going to hire you or give you this? Get a degree and do this. Do this. Exactly. So I just kept telling her, well, I'm, I'm working at Best Buy. It's been good. I've been working in the store. I've been doing this. But she's like, you need more. You need to study something. And for me, I, I remember growing up, I used to watch um, HGTV, which is the home garden television channel. And I loved it. I loved them making homes. I loved the renovations. I loved all of that. I loved interior design. So I told my mom, okay, right. I want to study interior design. She was like, okay. And I went and found out it cost like $60,000, $70,000 for this course. And here I am working as a like 17, 18 year old. My mom's a single mom. Right. And I'm like, well, how am I supposed to afford this? And student loans are not easy because like if I don't have a job to pay off, they're not going to approve me. So I kept looking, looking, and then I found a graphic design certification that didn't cost as much. It was like $10,000 at the time, but still like $10,000 is still a lot to pay for a course. But I was able to convince my mom that she can help me and I will pay the student loan because obviously I'm a 17, 18 year old who doesn't really have credit. So she helped me get the, the pay for this course for the graphic design course. And I just paid her back and paid back the course and student loans done. And, and she's satisfied this way. She's like, okay, she's got her certification and her course for two years. She's taking in graphic design. So now she could be a somebody in her head. And, and that's what I did. I studied graphic design and still going down that like tech technology path of being at Best Buy and now graphic design to do with the computer still. And then I, I, I remember the first feeling I got after I finished, I was like, I hate making websites. 
<laughs> I made a few. Yeah, it's it's, it's horrible. Mom, that. <laughs> How did you end up from? I want to be a graphic designer in Vancouver to hanging out in Mexico. Well, that was that was a fun couple of years. Um, I think one of the biggest things that happened was um, because my dad left at that point. He kind of left and like left, left. Like we didn't talk to him anymore. And then we received a oh, call. Left, left. We received a call that he was really sick. He was really sick. His family and friends don't really know what to do with him. I don't know what his relationship was with his with people in his life at that point, but he, he wasn't being cared for. So my mom put aside everything from the past that had happened that made them go their own separate ways and said, this is the father of my kids. He's not well, he's going to die, and he's going to be by himself halfway across the world, and they're going to be here, and all of us are going to have that on us, like that weight on in, in our chest that he's sick over there and nobody's there for him. So she decided to go back to Iran to go find him, get his temporary passport because he was a Canadian citizen, um, get his temporary passport and bring him back to Canada. So at least he can have this last bit of his life with his family. And she went back, she got him. They told him he, ha she, he has about like six weeks to nine weeks left. He had prostate cancer. And he was like so far into it that it was, there wasn't much they could do. And she went and got him. She brought him back and he lived for a year and a half after that. Uh, he went through the whole, I don't know if it was like his kids, his family being around him or the medical system in Canada. It's, it's totally different from Iran. Uh, but all I, the, I would imagine. Yeah. The whole process gave him, extended his life for another like year, year and a half. And during that time we got okay. to, Lots of forgiving, lots of talking, lots of, lots of, lots of different things happen. But after, so you had a chance to reconnect. Exactly. And like the last time I had seen him, it was like 13 years old. And here he is. I'm like 24 years old. He's back in my life. So it was a huge, it was a huge chunk that he was gone. And it all wrapped up into that like year and a half to really be able to connect and forgive and move on and have like a different level of a relationship with my dad, because up till then was you left us. And it, it was good. But I think a part of me like was like a trying to differentiate. Cause like, I, I feel like after he passed away, like when I was working, people are like, Oh, you need to go on grief. You need to go on leave and this and that. And I, I was like, no, I want to work. I want to work. I need to keep busy. I want to work. I want to work. But it didn't say like I, I was trying to because I think people wanted me to be upset because it's my dad and I lost my dad. But I kept thinking about the fact that this person brought me into this world. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for this person. It was less more like emotional. I wasn't emotionally thinking, oh, my God, my dad, my dad. It made me think more logically about life, like how we're here, why we're not here or how we connect or how we don't connect. I think some things are by chance and some things are like not chance at all. So it just really made me like start turning the wheel of questioning life at the age of 25 after my dad passes away. Yeah, but a midlife crisis at 25. That's exactly eight. right. Like, what, 40, 25? And I didn't buy a red Corvette. <laughs> and get a teenage girlfriend. Instead of the Corvette, it was Mexico. But I came, I like, it was just a lot of like bad things like piling up that were, I wouldn't even say bad things. I would say things that were happening that I guess you would look at negatively that were happening in life. Right. And then, 
one thing after another was just like my dad passing away. And then I was in a really horrendous relationship that the guy like it, horrendous, like I could have died in that relationship. Well, got out of that. One of those. One of those. Yeah. Got out of that. And then my mom and my sister were like, hey, it's your 28th birthday. Let's go to Mexico. Let's go on a trip to Mexico and just forget everything. And we came to Los Cabos. It was my first time in Los Cabos. And I was like, this place is awesome. It's a desert and a beach and it's palm trees and it's sunny all the time. How can people not be happy here? Right. And that's when I fell in love with Los Cabos. <laughs> I know you've seen that meme because I posted, I'm sure you had too, with the cat in a suit reading the paper, like, I should go to Mexico. And then the one below it is like tequila and sombrero, like best decision of my life. <laughs> and seriously, it feels like that. It feels like that. And it is like that. It's, it, it's a huge change. Like I shocked myself. I was like, how did I by myself with like seven suitcases, one full of, of shoes. <laughs> no, but like with all these layers coming from Canada, came here. And then I realized the seven suitcases were ridiculous. So, so many layers just like shed off easily so many materialistic things so many things change yeah it it's it's weird because it's similar similar things sort of happened to me because when i moved i got myself down well you remember winston so i had my dog and i had two suitcases in a box in my car and i was like drove from vegas down to playa del carmen and you know i had gotten rid of a whole house i had a whole house you know, I'd been married and everything else. So I had a three car garage. I had all tools. I had closets full of stuff. I mean, I just got rid of everything. Got my life. Like you said, life gets a lot simpler when you aren't clinging to the material things. And one of the things, interesting things that I found out, and I don't know if this happened to you, but you have to let me know, is let's get rid of everything. Okay, I'm going to sell this. This is going to Goodwill, you know, blah, blah, blah. And there were things I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to keep that. I, I can't why it's a shirt or it's a, a a thing you know whatever i don't even remember what was causing me so much angst to just let go of it it's not important because it's gone now i can't even remember what it was but it was like almost like crying like oh, i want to let it go you know like no that's funny you don't remember what it was but you remember the feeling yeah there were multiple things though because i and i remember kind of sitting back and being objective about this i'm like these are just material things that can be replaced. They don't really mean anything. Why am I having such a tough emotional time letting go? It's the strangest thing. But once you do that, you go from your seven suitcases down to maybe two, it simplifies things. And you feel so much better. That's one thing I was telling my mom. She's over there in Canada right now. I was just telling her, I was like, the more things you have, the more stress you have. The less you have, the less things you have to worry about even like you don't have four TVs to worry about four TVs falling off the TV stand, but you only have one to worry about, <laughs> which was funny because my daughter actually knocked the one TV we had off the couch. So in those situations, I'm like, why don't we have four TVs? But, <laughs> but it, it, it does happen. It's like the dependency. I feel like living in Canada, like, well, I don't know, maybe the U.S. is the same. You tell me because you've lived on that side. But living in Canada, especially Vancouver, I feel like there's so much pressure on you on what kind of car do you drive? Where do you live? Where do you work? What kind of clothes do you wear? And all of this becomes your status and who you are. So 
if you're a homeless person in Vancouver on the on the streets, you really have no chance because they've labeled you and put things on you before you're even have a chance to prove yourself. So over there, I feel like it's this whole like, where are you going on the weekends? Which restaurant are you going? Who are you hanging out with? Are you going to the clubs? Are you doing? And I got really, really tired of that over there. And I think I was like slowly getting there because I, I was living by myself, paying for my car, paying for my apartment. But I was paying for an apartment that I was spending seven, eight hours in at nighttime to just sleep and get up and go do the same thing. I was paying for a car to drive it from my apartment to work, to leave it there and like sit in the rain and the sun or whatever the weather was. But it was like paying for all these things to be in this like little rat race. Like I was just going around, like pay for this, pay for this, pay for this. And then like people are like, hey, let's go to so-and-so trip or this. And I'm like, I have no money left now. I can't do these things. So it was, it was weird. Like, and then coming to Mexico, like you get, like there's 52 weeks, you get two weeks off. 50 weeks you have to think about going to Mexico and then two weeks you spend in Mexico. So I was like, right. hold on a second. I think I'm on the wrong side. What if I spent 50 weeks in Mexico and spent two weeks in Canada? <laughs> I think there's something to that. <laughs> so I was like, how can I change this? This is like, I in Vancouver, there's like a couple of places that there's palm trees. And I remember I used to go there, sit by the palm trees just to be happy for 10 minutes. But here I'm like looking at four palm trees right now while I'm talking to you. Yeah. It, you, you bring up a really good point. And I think a lot of people experience this, even whether they're conscious of it or not. But you, you get in that, you know, the rat race is so cliche, but it, that's what it is. And you've got to make sure Vegas is very image driven. You know, especially when I had my real estate company. There was a lot of, uh, you know, I had to be, you know, if you weren't at the opening of the newest, hottest restaurant, and if you weren't at this club and you weren't here and you weren't there, and, okay, great. I was making a ton of money, you know, and I had the, you know, the 5,000 square foot house and a garage full of German automobiles, and I had all the status stuff and the watches and everything. And I, I was like, when I, I think it was really tough because I lost everything in the crash. I got wiped out. And it was horrible at the time because, like you said, all of that stuff becomes who you are. And especially with guys, I can't speak on women, but with guys, we attach so much of our identity to our career, our money, our accomplishments, our job, you know, all of that stuff. So when that gets stripped away from you, you're left with, all right, well, who the fuck am I? Yeah, like, what am I left with? You know? I, like, I feel like everything of me got stripped away. Well, for women, it's, it's similar because a lot of these things represent them, like their bags and their shoes and the clothes that they wear is the style that I have or how I carry myself. And especially with mm -hmm. looks, especially that with the, like when they go and like change a lot of like, I kind of categorize that with materialistic things. Like when you start physically changing the way you look, and you rely so much on the way you look. I mean, all of us age, all yeah. of us get old. It's gonna, it's gonna look yeah. at some point. And you're not talking about working out. <laughs> working out is good. Working out is good, but yeah, you're talking about all the other stuff. But I, it was a conversation I had to have with my sister because I was like, it's, it starts with one thing, and then you want this, and you want this, and you want this, and next thing you again, you still don't know who you are because you don't look the same as what you did for all those years you looked at yourself. And you'll never be satisfied. Mm -hmm. And 
people will always be looking for that too. Cause like, I mean, I think we gravitate towards that and we kind of um, attract that as well. When we think of ourselves, like, this is who I am. I have all these things. This is my status. Then people are looking at us like, oh yeah, she has all these things gravitate towards her. Oh, she has that status gravitate towards her. And we start attracting the similar people. But I think that the first thing is that awareness of, wait, what am I? Like, after all these things are gone, it's like, wait, what is left? I'm still here physically. So why do I feel like I have nothing or I am nothing if all these things are gone? It's a real problem that I think, and, and it's only been enhanced by social media. Because yeah. now, now now, you don't just have to show up for your, your social peers. You've got to show up for the whole entire world. Yeah. And there's a lot of pressure that comes with that, especially with kids especially with kids. It's really tough to deal with. No, it's really hard when kids don't understand. Like, I, <laughs> it's funny because my daughter's five and she, I tell her like what you see on the TV, it's, it's people acting to put it there. Even sometimes it's the truth that they're trying to communicate with you, but it's still somebody acting on that screen to transfer that message to you. So like, I'm, right. I'm, I'm trying to explain to her that what you see, you can question on the TV. What you see is not always true. Um, a lot of it is entertainment. <laughs> yeah, seriously, like in the news out, um, zero true, but that's exactly like just telling her that question, question what you see and not everything you see is true and limit, limit the crap out of how much she watches TV, like one to two hours maximum per day. That's, that's key. And also, you know, I found, even found myself falling in the trap of just endlessly scrolling. Like I had, uh watch like be very very conscious of how much time i was spending on my phone mm. so it was like wow it's like an, also an hour two hours gone and you start chunking off your day in a couple hours at a time you're not accomplishing anything else no and you're deadening your brain you don't have any brain activity because if i'm not looking at my phone i'm i'm, I'm thinking always thinking like oh what can i can do but, you know i'm active in my head and that leads to actions positive actions but if you're on your phone, you're just brain dead. It's just scrolling. Well, scroll, you know what scrolling. it is? Like you're kind of brain dead, but you're also like, I feel like it's a roller coaster of emotions. Cause there is like the other day I noticed, and that's when I like took my phone and like threw it. And I was like, get off your phone. And like I looked at my phone and I saw something really sad. And I noticed like a tear coming down my face and I was so emotional about it. And then two seconds later, it's a stand-up comedian saying something. And I'm like, ha, ha, ha. And my daughter's looking at me like, there's still that tear running down your face as you're going, ha, ha, ha. Like, what is wrong with you? But I, I, I don't think that's good for us to go through all these emotions, like, in two seconds of a time. Or how somebody can have so much power over all these different parts of your brains and emotions in two seconds. And it's that serotonin hit, you know, so it's the, it, the dopamine hit that... And they're very specifically engineered to do that so that you keep wanting that you keep wanting. it is literally physically addictive. And that's a, that's a big problem. Cause like I see so many people and they just never even look up from the phone, even when they're with their family or their friends and stuff like that, they're just. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's stuck on that screen. We've made it a rule. Like if we're eating, we're not watching TV. We're not on a phone or anything. That's always been yep. like, or if we go to a restaurant, I am the one that says like, are you done with that? Can we put it away now? <laughs> because like, I want everybody to be there. Yeah, it's nice. Like once in a while, take a picture of everybody together because everybody likes to have one picture. But like to be in your phone, having a conversation with people that are not sitting at that table eating with you right now, 
Maybe invite, I even make jokes. I say, invite the person that you're talking to next time to join us at the table. Then we can all talk to <laughs> I know. Yeah. Bring them in. Bring them in. It's, it's so bad. I think people need to really focus on limiting their phone time in a big, big way. They're super useful. Exactly. But they are time killers. Well, it's like the internet, right? The internet is useful, but it's also very dangerous and horrendous at the same time. Like so much good information can come from it and so much bad can come from it too. And with the phone too, because like you're like me, your your work is through social media. And if you don't understand that boundary line in between, you can get lost in that world as well. And it's it's very similar to a lot of things. Because I remember when you came to Mexico as well, we talked about this too, that we had a lot of other people that came from the US and Canada and they lost themselves in Mexico. They came for a work opportunity, but it turned into, oh my God, there's so much partying. Everything is so cheap. Because when you come from Canada or US, at first everything is so cheap. But once you have to live here and work here, then life is like, okay, now I'm like on, on reality. It's not vacation anymore. But a lot of people did fail because they, were, they just lost themselves in opportunities, not having clear goals and just like, oh, I'm in a different country and just get lost in it, not having like proper, this is my vision for myself. This is my vision when it comes to my work. This is my vision when it comes to my health and not having these like proper goals. I think people get lost, not just in Mexico, but in materialistic things in the social media world. People get lost in life, really, because if you don't have goals and you aren't moving toward anything, no. you're just drifting. <laughs> you're just then you're at the mercy of whatever comes along. Yeah, you're wandering, you know. So what did you 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 went to Cabo first? I came to Cabo first in 2016 and then I moved to the Mayan Riviera on the other side where I got to meet you there, too. Yeah. Now, what? What do you just like, screw it? I'm gonna go move, see some different scenery, or what happened? Uh, when, when we came to Los Cabos, it was for I was working for Timeshares, and uh, we came and we start working at the hotels here. And the manager that I had at the time was telling me, like, Hey, in a month, we're actually gonna move to the Mayan Riviera. You have a chance to come with me and my team over there, or stay here and join someone else's team. And I had spent a couple months, like by that time, I was a couple months in Los Cabos and I was looking around. I was like, well, this is cool. But that side is like the, it's, it's the Caribbean. Oh, it's yeah. like, it's so pretty <laughs> and it's so different. And you wanted to move to Mexico for the sake of traveling and seeing as much as you can. So I told the manager, mm -hmm. yeah, we're down. Let's go. So we ended up just packing up everything after a couple months of living here in Los Cabos and moving to that side. And we started a team over there and it was way bigger over there. So we said, okay, this is different opportunity. So let's see how it goes over here. Yeah, because that's that's where I met you. And that had to have been, what, 2016 or 2017, something like that? It 2016? Was, end of 2016. Because I think it was like November, December, end of 2016 that we moved there. And you were there pretty much like the same time or you had just gotten there. Yeah, I think we ended up there about the same time because I had left Playa and I was actually driving south with a buddy of mine, another Canadian guy from Vancouver. Remember Will Lees? Yes, Will, yes. Big beard, hockey playing Canadian guy. He's awesome, uh, he's awesome. So we had a we had a place in Playa and we're, we decided to just take a road trip south. So it was me, him and Winston, my dog, and we jumped in the car and we started heading south and then we ran into some trouble oh, no. in Belize. <laughs> I got arrested by the Belize Special Forces, so. Of course. But ended up hanging out in Belize 
Yeah. Ended up hanging out in Belize for like a month. And then um, I had been working remotely for somebody. And then they were like, hey, you know what? We're going to take a di different direction. So we really don't need anything from you at this moment. So I was like, oh, okay. So now, so now I'm driving south to Colombia and I have no real steady income. It's like, I think I'm head back to Playa. I got some people there. So, you know, I got out there. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's it was the end of twenty sixteen. I ended up back in Playa. So that's probably when we met about. Okay, yeah, no, about the same time then. Yeah. So that was that was interesting. And then I left in twenty eighteen, went back to the States and so how did you make the transition from working in the hospitality industry to doing you because you have your own photography company now, yes, right? I do photography now and no, what happened was honestly I start working at uh, this timeshare place and I realized that all the tech years and customer service years that I had was not going to help me <laughs> selling timeshares because for me, customer service worked. I love going for breakfast with people. They love me. They love me giving of a tour. And near the end, like it was like a big like apple stuck in my throat that I like it, it was hard for me to sell it because I didn't really fully 100% believe it myself. So it was really hard for me to tell someone else. And I'm like the person that's horrible at lying. Like if I lie, you'd be like, she's lying. <laughs> like I just <laughs> So when people You're lying. Exactly. Like I, I didn't genuinely believe in the product myself to be able to sell it. So I realized I was like, is there any other job I could do here? Like, can I be a paperwork person? But it came to the point that I was like, I don't know. Maybe this industry is not for me. Because there was like it was an interesting industry. It carried a lot of energy around it too. There was a, it was very interesting to see because there were some people that were really good at it, but they were great bullshitters. And I'm sure you could talk on this too. They were great bullshitters. They really were like they could lie through the teeth, and you would never know. And there were some really good naive people that really believed the product, and they were really good at selling it too. So you had like your bullshit. That was me at the beginning. For the naive people that, and those were it. And I was in between there because I wasn't naive enough to believe it. And I wasn't a great bullshitter to be able to sell it. So I was stuck in between. And I was like, okay, well, I have great customer service and I met a lot of people and I got to come all the way over here, but this is not for me. And so we, when I say we, it's, it's Ricardo and myself. Ricardo is my husband, you know. And um, I met him when I first came to Cabo. And he, he's he been just like so supportive of all these crazy decisions that I make. And he, he came from Los Cabos. <laughs> he had a full-time job here. He was working and everything. And he was like, we're moving to Cancun. And I said, yes. <laughs> so he was like, okay, I okay. guess I give my notice and we go. So he gave his notice, he came and he, he's been in tourism for like forever. His English is good. So he can speak Spanish and he can speak English and he loves like people. So any people person, he's a people person, any customer service job or tour guide, so he's always loved. So he came there and he started doing that. And then I came and did that. And I, I sat him down again after six months. And I said, so remember how six months ago I said, let's move here. <laughs> this isn't kind of working out. And his hometown is Colima, which is the smallest state in Mexico. It's called Colima. And it's one over from Jalisco, which is where Puerto Vallarta is. 
So we're all on the East Coast and we're talking about Puerto Vallarta, which is closer to the West Coast South. Like, and we said, let's let's do a road trip and let's go to your hometown and we figure something out. It's your hometown. You know your area. So maybe we can go there and we can work there. So we ended up buying a little wagon car and shoving everything we had into this car and driving along the south border of Mexico to stop in all the surf places we can because he's a surfer. Oaxaca and all the... Exactly. And it was... Zipolite. Yeah, it was beautiful. There were some places that were terrifying. Um, We drove through somewhere in Michoacan that this guy is wearing like sweatpants with a fake cop shirt and a rifle in his hand. And it's a checkpoint (laughs) he's created that you have to go through. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh my God, so much anxiety. Is he going to shoot us? We got all this stuff in the car. He could just get rid of us and take the car. He's got a brand new car and a whole, (laughs) all different stuff. But like it was territory, like issues that they were having with people trying to take the territory and the government, the cops trying to move it. It was just certain places you got to keep going. And certain places, it's really nice. You can stop, enjoy a meal, enjoy the beach. <laughs> but it was an interesting, it was really eye-opening because I never drove across Canada, but I drove across Mexico, <laughs> so that was fun. But we ended up in <laughs> Colima, and um, my husband, being a surfer and surf instructor, started doing some surf lessons. And that's when I was like, I'm, I'm bored. I'm sitting here on the beach, and I'm taking pictures of these people on the water, but everybody horrible, like, horrible come life. Up and say, like, can I have a picture of me surfing? And I've got this like camera that I've had for 10 years from Canada with me. And I, I realized that people are showing more and more interest in like the pictures that I would take. I've always done photography for fun of it. Like I bought a camera in 2009 and I used it for 10 years, like up until this time in 2018, I was like, Oh yeah, I love this little camera I've had for 10 years. I take pictures with it. Never of people because I don't know how to take pictures of people, but like landscape, surf, like nature related things. I loved it. I was taking pictures. But Colima is a place that people are working to put food on their table. People are working to pay for the rent. To buy a picture is like, why why would i pay for a picture when i'm trying to feed my child like baby formula you know like so even like people wanting to do like family pictures is out of like the question and um i started talking to some people when we were there like that we knew from here before we left and we were we start saying like i think we might have more opportunities if we go back to los cabos los cabos was good before we went to the mayan riviera there was lots that was happening but we just got pulled in this direction. So we, we, we start talking about, well, what if we move there? What if we move back to Los Cabos and try to figure out something in Los Cabos? And that was 2019, near the end of 2019, that we said, let's put everything in a car, all excited, coming to Los Cabos. <laughs> and as soon as we got here, they said, people are getting sick. People are getting sick all around the world and we don't know what it is. And I was starting to look for a job here. I was starting to look and see what it is I can do here. Ricardo had started looking into work and tourism and then everything shut down. Like his job was like, there's people coming from around the world that are sick. You can't work. And they start telling everybody to stay home. I, I couldn't find a job. So imagine moving your family like somewhere new for new opportunities. And it's like, 
shut down. And you had a little baby too. She was about two years old at that point, almost two. Ricardo came, Sirena came, we came looking for a job and there's nothing. And we have rent to pay for. But the, the, the nice thing was that Mexico understood, like, we need to drop rent. We need to figure out ways to be able to help people because people are not surviving. Nobody's working. For like three months, they shut down everything. Well, see, that's that's really fortunate because Mexico was only shut down. It was shut down, but it was a couple of months. Rest of the world, Mexico ended up being that place because that had to have been a big boon for you that got you to where you're at now because Mexico was the only place to go for tourism. I remember I was in the U.S. and I'm like, that's the only place open. I was in Mexico like five times that year, 2020. And know? it was good. You had the chance to be able to like sneak away. Yeah, Phoenix, where I was at at the time was okay. They weren't as restrictive as some of the other crazy, crazy cities. But you could still get on a plane and go to Mexico, which had, you know, for people who are like in your situation, that was a huge boom because now you have all these tourists and your photography business goes to the roof. At first, like the people that I start meeting here beginning of COVID were all the people that ran away. Everybody, because the people that wanted to travel but were scared from the story that was being attached to COVID, they stayed. There was people, I remember like, because like when, when the whole thing happened, I was like, do like there, there's this vaccine that's coming out and they're saying that if you get this, you can travel and go places. And I was like, okay, well, I don't know. I don't really know if I want to go anywhere. I just want to see what happens first. <laughs> but a lot of people that wanted to travel right away that didn't care, they just, they came right away with no, whatever happens, happens, right? But there was a lot of people that had fear. Exactly. There was a lot of people that had fear and they didn't want to do anything. They were terrified to even go to the grocery store. Like the two meters in a lineup turned into five meters for some people. Like they were so scared. But it, it just depends on how much like, so tourism here was like weird. It was like, you had some people, they were the ones that didn't give a shit and they didn't believe any of it. And then I no one else because everybody else was back home scared to come. So the people that you did get were the ones that were like, I ran away before I got locked on the wrong side. <laughs> if I had had the opportunity to well, do so. Like, I the vaccine would. that came out, people were like, I'll take it. Let me go. Let me go. Like, I'll take uh -huh. whatever it is just so I can get back to Mexico or I can get to Europe or I can get to here, 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 here. So yep. then that's when we start seeing a big boom that people were yeah. like, I'm tired of being locked down in Canada or U.S. for three months. I'm getting out. So those were the first people we saw. <laughs> but there was a ton of them. A ton. A ton. And they had money to spend. Yeah, they've been, and, and it's interesting because there was some people that came and they were like, I haven't been working. I just like, I'm desperate for a vacation because I've been locked up for this long. And then there were some that, like you said, that had a lot of money because they had good businesses that was, even that three months that they were sitting at home, they were still making money. So mm -hmm. they, like, you had different kinds of people that would visit here for sure. Yeah. I, I remember when I was, I'm, I went primarily to the east side, Playa, Tulum, like that. But, And I, I was fortunate because I was one of those businesses. I didn't know how COVID was going to affect my business. But it, it was pretty much a boom for me. And I worked out of my house anyway. So and there was nothing going on. So I was 
I was just flying to Mexico every every month, <laughs> month and a half. I was I was in Mexico. There's no other place to go. I'm like, let me go to Valley. No, no, you're not. No, uh, can't go. I'm gonna go. No, 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 you're not. I'm like, how about no? No, you're not. Damn. Just go no, south. Just go south. Yep. <laughs> go south. But yeah, there was there was a it was kind of a weird thing because some people obviously really got financially wiped out. Yes. Um, I'm sure that Canada was the same as U.S. There were small businesses closed, and it was all that was that kind of stuff always pissed me off because it, obviously it seemed like a deliberate attempt to wipe out small business owner and the middle class because you cannot tell me that the virus is not dangerous at Walmart, but it is at your local grocery store. Yeah, it's the dumbest, and and what pissed me off even more, and, and I say this with all love, like Canadians are. Canadians are my people, but you're kind of docile. Like, <laughs> like okay, we're going to go with the flow, right? So, but Americans, we've got this whole rebellion, like, taxes on our teeth. Screw you. We're going to shoot you. You know, like, I was like, I expected it, like, hey, you're going to close you down. <laughs> Screw you. You know, but everybody's like, okay. I'm like, what the hell is going on around here? You're telling you, like, they're telling you, okay, you can't go see your dying mother in a nursing home. They're, you can't have your business open to cut hair or whatever. And people are like, okay. I'm like, where's the rioting in the streets for that? You know? There was so much fear pushed into people that I think that fear made people follow the rules. The fear of the unknown, the fear of I can get sick and die, like putting that fear of death on people or it's just I, I it, fear, fear driven. The whole thing was fear driven for for yeah. so many in so many different ways like people here they told people you cannot come to the beach for at first it was like nobody is allowed to go to the beach because COVID hangs out at the beach apparently the beach yeah <laughs> and then after they changed it that after six o'clock you cannot be at the beach and i was like what COVID shows up after six like before six as like everything is fine so it was really 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 You're funny fine. Fine. here too trust the science sarah trust the science Wear your mask from the door of the restaurant to your table. Once you go under four feet, the virus. Uh, no, seriously, no. And it was really funny because even like for daycare and stuff, they were like saying you need to send your child with a mask. But it was, I, I like did not take my daughter anywhere because like she, she till that now does not know how to put on a mask. She puts it around her bra uh, her wrist like a little bracelet, like a little bag to carry things. In. <laughs> That's how, because she doesn't know how to put it on. Like a little hobo. Kids, they would go and they would come back with a different mask. So explain the science of that to me. Like this kid is like going with a blue mask and comes out with a pink mask. Uh, like, trade off. Exactly. So it's like, <laughs> come on, like it really, like I don't. People lost their damn mind. People lost their mind. It, 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 it. I was so disappointed in my fellow Americans. I'm like. You're the whole rebellious, you know, stars and stripes. We're going to blow you up. And like, you're kind of a bunch of pussies. <laughs> like, and that's, I think, is the conditioning is that Pete, this generation of people that didn't stand up or say anything is because they lived through a generation of following rules, don't ask questions, and keep and safety, 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 your health, this, this. And with the fear, they were able to control the people. Because there's a lot of people that grow up and they don't understand how to question something or how to stand up for themselves. They've always been told, like, since the first day you go to school, follow the person in front of the room, listen to what they say, follow the rules. 
So if you live 12 years of your life going to school, after you finish and get a job, again, there's your boss, that's that person that you have to listen to. Or there's the CDC, that that's, that's the person leading the health life, like you have to listen to them. Or the president says this, they create all these little positions for you to know who you have to listen to and who you have to follow. It gets a little, confusing. but nobody questioned it. <clears throat> well, some people did. I'll take that yeah. back. But just an overwhelming amount of people were just, yep. I, I had people yelling at like friends of mine. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit older than you, but I had, you know, people that were kind of my age. I remember one guy like read me the riot act because I had posted something on Facebook, me going out. I didn't curb my lifestyle at all. I mean, I just, I couldn't go to certain bars and restaurants because they were closed, but I still had pool parties at my place. I did everything. I went out to you still did everything you were doing, enjoying the beach, going yeah. for walks, nature. Everything. I didn't curb my lifestyle. And I posted something about, I don't know, being in a pool and everybody hanging out. And this guy was like, he literally, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating this in the least. He wished death on me. He's like, I can't wait till you get COVID and die. He's like, I hope you're on a ventilator and your family's standing around you. And then you'll see. I was like, this is a friend of mine. <laughs> It's less harmful <laughs> hanging out at the pool than having those kind of words come out of your mouth and energy tied to it. I And this was a guy that I had worked security with, you know, big, bad bouncer guy at the club. I was like, really? Really? Huh. And then you, like for me in those situations, I just think, what upbringing did you have that it makes you think and say these things? Like, what did you go through life? I had a girl from Canada tell me that you're going to kill my grandmother because you choose not to get vaccinated. I said, I don't know your grandma. Your grandma's an old senior home place. I'm not planning on visiting there. But, and the thing, like, it's just crazy, like, to hear these conversations, like, for her to ream me out like that. And then now it's like, I never got an apology about that. I never got like, no. but it's, it to me, it's just like, okay, now I know your true colors. And I see how people yeah. like when these situation, when this kind of pressure is put on people, how do people really react? Who is really yeah. your true friend? <laughs> yeah. Who can actually think for themselves? And you know, it's a strange thing. I, I and, like, I wonder when and what they're going to try next, you know? Another <laughs> pandemic. Uh, well, I wouldn't, honestly, don't, at don't this point, I wouldn't be surprised anymore. Like, after all this happened, like, I would not be surprised. Because even, like, I remember we used to go to the beach and they were like, this was the time that was, like, no beach allowed. You're not allowed to go to the beach. So we used to go and we would see the cop car coming. So I would just grab Sirena under one arm, the umbrella in the other arm, and Ricardo would grab the board and chair and we'd run back to the car. So as soon as you see the car, because they would come and they would take your surfboard away. They would take your umbrellas and stuff. Like, like they, it's so weird. There's some mindset around it. I think it really woke me up to be like, what is happening in the world? How much control do they want over people? And it was good. You had people literally triple masked riding in cars by themselves with face shields. Yeah, no, that was funny. <sighs> when I used to see people driving in the car with masks on, I was like, now you're like you're already in a box with limited oxygen and now you just put that mask on too well i guess you won't get yeah. the dust particles floating around in the cars <laughs> that's about it yeah i don't know it's it was, it was crazy times but it worked out 
for you in terms of the photography business? It did. There were because there's a lot of people, businesses, like lots of things happening here. And when I was here, I started for me, photography really like to get into it as work. I start just taking fun pictures of surf when I was sitting on the beach. And because my husband does surfing, he does lifeguarding. He's a judge for the Association of Surf in Mexico. He travels to judge for different competitions. So he has a lot of experience. I want lessons when I come to college. No, 100%. And I'll take pictures. So you have proof that you did. All right. <laughs> you better take film because I'll be, be falling like, ah. No, we'll get the graceful fall. So it looks like you did something good. But for him, like he's been doing this for so long and it like rubbed off on me that like what's what to look for in surf. What What is cool? What is right. fun? What is the moves like what just watching right. the body language of surf and people start coming up like, hey, I love your pictures. Hey, this. And I was like, I could be making money on this. Like people are interested in these pictures that I'm taking. And then I start looking at, OK, well, because for me, I'm really competitive when it comes to my work. It, when it comes to sports, not so much. Like if you put me like in a sport team, I'm not that competitive. I'm like, yeah, team, let's teamwork, teamwork. But when it comes to my work, I'm like, I need to be good at what I do. I need to be the best at what I do. Right. And how can I improve? Right. How can I be better? How can I do more? Like I'm always thinking like that. So I started looking right. around. I'm like, who are the photographers that are here right now? What are they doing? What are they not doing? What do photographers that are successful in the world do? that nobody here is doing. So I like my, you right. hear the click, 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 putting all the pieces together in my head. And I started mm -hmm. looking and I was like, wow, this guy is a photographer for surf and all he does is surf. This lady is a photographer for weddings and all she does is weddings. So I was like, well, why not dip into both? Why not do a little bit of people, a little right. bit of surf, a little bit of events, a little bit of everything. And that way you, open your opportunities more rather than saying, no, sorry, I only take right. pictures of surf. So that's what I start working on. It was, how can I try and cover as much as I can? And then at this point, obviously I have no experience in taking pictures of people or what can I do? So I start looking online right. for photography courses that I can take anything that can uh, help me improve what I know. Do I want to take right. pictures of people? Then I need to study portrait photography. Do I want to take pictures of uh, houses? Then I need to study real estate photography. So the first thing I did during COVID was like, you have all this time, the world is shut down. And there's these courses online that if you look and you know, when you really want to find something, you will. I start looking for courses yeah. that I found for $20, $30, because they were on sale from $150, $160. It's COVID time. People want to yeah. sell things. So I start looking at it. This is my chance to take advantage of the fact that the world is paused to learn as much right. as you can, to be ready to go. When they unpause the world, what are you going to be doing? Yeah. So I start thinking about it that way. And I start telling myself that if you want to be a photographer, then you already have to be a photographer. So right. neighbors that live. That's the mindset. Shift. Exactly. I was like, there's neighbors that were close by and they had like cute kids or puppies. And I said, can I take pictures of you and your family? It's a gift for me to you. And I'm building my portfolio. Then I start saying, right. I only charge $50 for a photo shoot. Only a $50 for a photo shoot. Now I'm charging $50, $50. People are happy because they've never paid $50 for a photo shoot. It's always $300, $400, $500. Right. And they're getting pictures mm -hmm. and they're happy because I'm doing everything I can to get good pictures for them based on 
the body right. language that I had learned to read all this time in my life. For right. body language has always been the thing that it's been easy for me to read. Like long story short, because of my dad and the way that he was, he was a very bad tempered, angry person. So when he came home, you knew like, is he happy or is he not happy? Run or come and say, oh, you had, exactly. you had to make that determination like right away. Exactly. And being able to read him made me like better at reading other people too. So uh, when it comes to photography, being able to read people is very important. You know, when somebody smiles fake or it's a genuine smile, right. you can read that. And especially like for me, cause I'm telling people, I know you for just 20 minutes, 30 minutes, but I want people that know you for 10 years looking at your picture to say, this is your real smile. This is a fake smile. So body language and my photography start going hand in hand. And also like reading a lot, reading a lot of lots of different things. I guess it's like all the different knowledge that you have in life coming together and think like, how can I make this happen? For me, it was really, I'm already it. I'm already it. I right. made my business cards. I made my website. And I said, I am a photographer. Not I want to be a photographer. I am a photographer. And I start yep. doing it like that. And I start telling people, I am a photographer. Here's my packages. I am a photographer. Here's my portfolio. Just by building, taking pictures of, again, friends, neighbors, building my portfolio the best that I can. And there was opportunities that I was like, I've never done that before. I'm scared. And it made me want to say no, because it's out of comfort zone. But I was like, no, I'm going to go find the course that I need to learn the techniques that I need to, to practice the practice that I need to and get it done. So it, it just pushing myself out of my comfort zone. Yes, I can do pictures of a house. Yes, that. I can do this. Yes, 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 yes. But also understand the that. boundary. Because one thing they don't tell you about business is, well, I mean, one thing they tell you about business is you need to have growth. You need to grow. You need to more, more margin, more money needs to come in. More people need to work for you. But for me, instead mm -hmm. of doing that, I just looked and said, what is enough? What is enough for you to have a roof over your head, to have food on your plate, to have time with your family, to what is enough? Because there was a point that I was doing like five or six shoots a week. And my daughter's looking at me like, you have no time. You work so much. Then I was like, okay, I'm doing this the wrong way. Now I'm doing so much photography. And so finding out that balance, knowing what is enough. They don't tell you that in business because people were like, when are you going to open your studio? When are you going to hire people for your studio? When are you going to hire people for your team? Scale up. Exactly. And I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to pay rent for a studio. I don't want to pay somebody to sit right. there in the studio. I'd rather have my two to three jobs a week and spend the rest of my time with my family and have that work life balance that I never had in Canada. Yeah. And you're living a life that's it's, I, I, I'm not fond of the term balance. You know what I mean? I like harmony. Mm, harmony is better because balance implies, cause we all go through different seasons in our life, you know, and sometimes balance isn't what we need. As long as you're in harmony and congruent with, what you're trying to obtain, you know, in your case, you're in harmony with your family, your profession, everything, everything is working. It's in, in, in harmony. And for a little while you had to go a little unbalanced 
to make sure that you picked it up and learned and did everything that you need to do. And you know, probably get a little money set aside and get that safety net. Now you can go with what you want, which is harmony. I like that you mentioned that because balance kind of makes it like opposite sides of the spectrum. Like this is over here and this is right. over here. And because of the weight this holds and the weight this holds, they sit like this. Yeah. Our harmony means that things are moving together. Things are working together rather than being on. I do like that. Thank you for mentioning that. Balance always, to me, almost had a negative context. You know what I mean? Because like you said, yeah, it's weight, balancing weights. And if you're in harmony, it's not like, oh, this is bad. I got to balance it out with good. Everything is good. You just got to make it flow in harmony. That's why I'm not, I've never been fond of the term balance. Find your What's that? find your way to move through it in a fluid manner that's congruent with what you want out of life yeah that's the important thing because i used to chase i used to chase money you know like when i had my real estate company that was everything I, but like we talked about earlier there's always a next level there's always next level there's always somebody with more stuff there's always somebody with a you know whatever greg got bmw oh, he's got ferrari okay well i got a maserati well shit he's got a bentley uh you know it doesn't stop. I mean, it stops maybe a Bugatti or something like that, but there's always that like, okay, we well, got Bugatti. Well, he's got a private jet. Okay. Private jet. Well, he's got a yacht. Like well, he's got a yacht, but he's got a super yacht. You know, it, there's never anything. There's never an end goal when you're just chasing money. Exactly. And materialistic. Things. Right. Right. So that's, you know, that, and that's, that's kind of a hard conversation I had to have with myself because the credit repair business was going really well, but I was, on the phone working and it was like eight, 10, 12 hours a day. And it was calling and following up and doing sales and doing coaching and doing credit reviews. And I couldn't, I couldn't find the people, you know, like we're supposed to grow and scale and hire people. And I couldn't find the people to replace myself. I, I tried hiring people and they didn't work out hiring. You know, I'm, I'm, I'll take responsibility for some of that. Maybe I didn't look in the right places. Maybe I didn't train them correctly. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I could do, but it was very difficult to find somebody who was self-motivated, new credit inside and out. Trying to duplicate right. yourself. Yeah, because you have to do sales. You have to know, be a credit and be a coach and do all these things and find somebody like that who wasn't already had their own credit repair business was virtually impossible. <laughs> so I, lo I looked forward yeah. five years and I didn't see a light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm like, I'm not happy. I'm not, I'm not doing what I want to do. I'm not able to travel. I'm not, you know, you're, I, I could travel, but I couldn't, I'd, not, not freely. Free. And I had to stay in a certain time zones, which is why I spent, you know, six out of the last 10 years in Mexico. But, you know, I had that, I had the, the three things kind of come together, you know, I ended up breaking up with a long-term girlfriend and Winston passed away. And so I shut down the credit business. And I'm like, you know what? I don't, I'm just going to take the leap of faith and I'm going to market credit products. So I created products and websites and sales funnels and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and then the podcast too, because I, I started, you know, I started getting some recognition in the credit sphere. So people were hitting me up to do podcasts. So I was like, okay. And then one of the guys I became really friendly with, he's like, man, you need to do a podcast. I was like, I don't want to do a podcast about credit. And he's like, dummy, you don't have to do credit, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Right. So uh, that was just, I didn't like what I was doing day in and day out. It was, it was cool at first. The money was really great. But then I was just, it wasn't feeding my soul. I wasn't in harmony. Balance, maybe, but not harmony. And 
Yeah, because you're like, I have a roof over my head. I have money. I have, I'm doing this, but something yeah. is missing. Yeah, it was some, I wasn't happy. So now doing what I'm doing, I can travel. And, and traveling, trying to do a podcast while traveling has has proven to have some issues and challenges here and there. But um, overall, it's been so, probably the best thing I ever did. Done. I've done a lot of cool shit, but yeah, but that's why I'm in Thailand. No, that's awesome. And you get to travel the world. You get to go enjoy, you do some work and then you get to enjoy the rest of your day. As I was thinking, I was kind of looking at, and I'm like, you know what? I could, I could split this. I could just go balls out for a couple of weeks, schedule everything I need to schedule for the next month. And then just go do nothing except to answer comments and handle technical stuff for a couple of weeks, you know? So I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Well, it's good to be able to create that for yourself, to be able to create that space for yourself to breathe. It's like, I think it's really important. I think with one thing that a huge changed in my life was time. Coming to Mexico, everything goes slower a little bit. There's times that like you go to order something and they're like, oh, be there tomorrow. Mañana. Mañana. <laughs> everything is mañana. like, Wait, wait, there's things like I ordered four months ago and it's still, they're still saying mañana. Like, <laughs> so we're still waiting on some things, but that's one thing that, that I like that is life slowed yeah. down because sometimes we think, Oh, it's so good for things to happen so fast, but we, we move so fast with everything that we don't have a time to say, mm -hmm. look at that tree. Look at that right. water. Like, like it. We don't stop. It's just constantly go, 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 go. So it gets a lot, but really having is. that, harmony between everything that you have, the things that are important to you in life, the priorities that you have, it's very important because I think that's where true happiness is, is that when you have these harmony and all the things that you're passionate about, then you can find your true happiness inside. But not all the shoes, not all the seven suitcases. That's not going to do it. No, you need to trim that down. I'm down to one suitcase. But speaking of the harmony, like your time, the one thing that I was able to do real recently that ties into that is... I went up to Minnesota where I grew up and spent like two months hanging out with family. I haven't, I haven't, you know, I go up for holidays and stuff like that. You know, I left when I was 17. I mean, I'm lucky if I'm in Minnesota once or twice a year and it's usually for holidays or some sort of wedding or whatever, yeah. you know, it's something, but you don't get to spend any quality time with your family during those types of things. Uh, it's always go, 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 rush, 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 and, you know, three, four, five days, and I'm out. So it was absolutely amazing just to go up and actually just hang out with my mom and dad. And they're getting older, you know. Yes, of course. So two months, just relaxed, enjoying the time, working outside with my dad, hanging out with my mom in the yard, you know, just that was it was much needed i hadn't done that in a long time well, it's, good to have, it's good to have that time because i think as we grow up too like we have different levels of appreciation for family parents and everything as life changes you you view yeah. them differently especially i think after you have kids of mm -hmm. your own like my connection with my mom changed completely after like having my own daughter i'm like Oh my goodness. Like, cause you start like putting like, you did this for me. And I oh, like the whole connection, the life cycle, you see it. So it's, it's fascinating. And I, and I think as you grow your appreciation and like, you see like some of the hard things you have to go through is the hard things they went through to be able to give you that safety and security through right. life. Right. 
So your level of appreciation is a lot more. 100%. 100%. I don't have any kids that I know of. So no, you had Winston, you had Winston and Winston was a huge part of your life. Like he got to travel so many different places, meet so many different people and, and having that responsibility over someone or something is, is a lot like, so it is pretty much like a child. You did pretty much have kind of, yeah. And he just never grew up. (laughs) It was a toddler for 13 years. He was a goofy boy. Oh, shoot. Well, what, uh, before we jump off here, tell us how do we get how do people if people are going to Cabo and they want to get their photos taken by an absolute professional, how do they get in touch with you? No, absolutely. Uh, for me here, uh, I do varieties of like events. We have small events. We have big events like weddings, uh, retreats. Retreats have been a huge thing here as well. That when people come for yoga retreats or mastermind classes, uh, for surf, lots of different things. Drone, we fly the drone okay. here too. But we have lots of different um, avenues of things that we can cover. Um, even from like movie productions and things like that, we have connections for to get things oh, done nice. here. But for me personally, it's my website. It's uh, my name is Saravafa, so it's really easy. It's um And if you even look up Saravafa on Instagram, it should be one of the first people that pops up there. That's a video. It's it says Los so you can find me easily. But yeah, no, for sure, reach out to me if you have ideas. No ideas are too small or too big. We can make them happen. We have the right partners and. If I can do it, then great. If not, I have the right resources to make something Yeah, happen. I love it. Love it. Well, I really appreciate you getting up early and being caffeinated and alive. I think being up late on your end to make you know, this This happen. is actually a good one because it's about 930 here. The last one I did, I, I, I finished up at 3 a.m. So... Oh, okay. This so is, this is so This is amazing. <laughs> this is amazing. No, that's that's one thing because I'm. Oh man, like I'm normally really disciplined with my lifestyle. I get up early and I do all my thing, and it's been a little bit different because if I'm doing a podcast at two o'clock in the morning and getting up at five is not not happening. No, it's not <laughs> so, easy. <laughs> but it's all good. It's all good. It's all harmonious now. So, well, hey. Everybody, if anybody wants, reach out to Sarah. She is in Los Cabos, and she is an absolutely amazing human being inside and out. Thank you so much. And hopefully, when I get back on that side of the world, I'll be able to swing by Cabo and get some surf lessons and some pictures. For sure. We're waiting for a surf lesson. <laughs> Just be gentle with me and don't drown me. No, no. We'll pick a small wave day, and we'll make all the pictures and videos look good. We won't, we'll not we send you the embarrassing wipeouts to you. We won't post any you of You must those. have incredible video skills if you can make me look good on a surfboard. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for being on the Road Mindset, Sarah. Sarah, you rock. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day.